Hey, welcome to Sex, Drugs, and Spirituality with Cindy Delorean. That's me. I'm sick as fuck, so sorry you have to listen to this voice, but I'm trying to make it sound less annoying than it actually is. Is it possible for me to be less annoying? Maybe. Maybe when I'm dead, I'll be less annoying. But then, no, I'll still be annoying because I'll be haunting your wet dreams. Anyways, I'm not gonna, I wasn't gonna bitch out on recording just because I have a little cold. Um, I'm doing a show about a drugstore drug, or what is not a drugstore drug? What the fuck am I talking about? A truck stop drug. I'm doing. <laughs> I'm doing an episode about a gas station drug, which you know I love to cover. We love our over-the-counter highs here. And um, in honor of that, I took a, um, also an over-the-counter drug. I took Alka-Seltzer, cold, and cough, and I don't... (laughs) It's like I, I'm so opposed to cold medicine. I never take cold medicine. Even when I had COVID, I didn't take cold medicine because I just don't like the way it makes me feel. I remember the, like, I'm someone who regularly does psychedelic drugs. And yet when I took Mucinex, I was like, wait, that's legal? <laughs> like, what? It was such an unpleasant, I and I don't believe in bad trips, uh, they're difficult trips, but I'll tell you this, Mucinex wasn't a good trip, it was a surprising trip, I was trying to get the mucus out, like the commercials say, and next thing you know, seeing shapes and colors, it was very odd. Um, but so I just am not into taking cold medicines. Um, I don't even really like taking antihistamines. They make me feel weird. But, um, and when I had COVID, I didn't need to take cold medicine because I was stuck alone in my apartment, which was not yet furnished. And, um, it was just like me and a stockpile of marijuana edibles. So I just stayed really, really high. And um, the only thing in my apartment at that time was my mattress. And so I just got real high and I communed with my mattress. I became one. I didn't know where my body stopped or the mattress began. I just, we became one. And because I didn't have internet set up, I couldn't play anything on my televisions. So I just watched Charles Barkley clips on my cell phone while I disappeared into my mattress. Um, so that's, I, I didn't take any cold medicine to get through COVID. Uh, but I have to go to work today. And um, uh, because I'm going to old school, this is old school. Uh, service industry where you go to work sick and you just get those cooties on everyone. That's right, my friends. When you enter Applebee's, you're at a super spreader event. Mostly people spreading their butt cheeks on toilet seats because no one can handle a blooming onion. Or is it an awesome blossom? I forget which one is which at the chain restaurant onion debacles. In my youth, I used to regularly go out to eat and eat one of those and then wonder why I had a weight problem after eating an entire fried onion. Why do I fart so much? Why am I overweight? It could possibly be the entire blooming onion I ate. 
Anyways, I'm going to old school service industry. I'm going to work sick. I need to not look or sound sick. So I bought cold medicine, um, and I feel weird. Meg's boyfriend was addicted to Alka-Seltzer. He used to call himself an alcoholic. Get it? Get it, guys? And I would always yell at him. I'd be like, That's, that can't be good. That's not safe. And, but, like, anytime he'd feel a little bit of malaise, he would take Alka-Seltzer. And that was, like, every day because he's retired. He retired at, like, 36. So every day is just constant malaise at Alka-Seltzer. Anyways, I sent him a picture of my boxes today. Because since moving out, I started listening to the Doughboys podcast, a favorite of all straight white men of a certain age. So I'm listening to Doughboys. I'm taking Alka-Seltzer. I'm becoming my ex-boyfriend is what I'm saying. Hey, I hope to retire too. Soon too, you know? Anyways. What, did I, what was I talking about? Oh, I'm ta- I, I, I took an over-the-counter drug to talk to y'all about over-the-counter drugs. And I think I just got some retinol cream in my eye or sunblock. Whatever caustic chemicals are on my face, I just rubbed into my eye. So hold on. I got an eye drop. Hold on. This is the most pathetic podcast that's ever happened. I want to thank you all for loving me. Uh, despite, you know, the decline in episodes, the decline in quality, <laughs> the decline in my ability to speak. You were still here. Okay. Five minutes in. We're, okay, we're talking about Zaza, and we're not talking about Zaza as in Zaza Gabor, although I fucking wish maybe uh, an upcoming episode we'll talk about her, because you know that I love celebrities that are no longer relevant. Um, no, we're talking about Zaza, which is um, Z-A, Z-A. And, um, uh, what should we call it? Um, it is a, it's like, it goes by several names. Stablod, Tiana Red, Pegasus, Coaxel, and Gas Station Heroin. Um, in some states like Georgia where it's legal, and I don't quite understand how it's legal in Georgia, but, like, nowhere else, you know what I mean? Like, because most things are legal until they're made illegal. Um, anyways, in states like Georgia where it's legal, you can find at least one of these brands at almost any gas station. Uh, I'm reading a quote from an article. I think they might have outlawed it in Georgia since, and now people are driving to Alabama to get it. Um, but, uh, so it's sold at gas stations, head shops, convenience stores. Um, other states, it's more likely to be at, like, lesser known, like, mom and pop operations, your bodegas, your fuck shops sold next to your poppers. And one day I'll redo an episode about poppers because I fucked up with the audio on the one I did with shoe. And it's a regret that I've always had. Um, so um, it is... Uh, sorry, guys. This is so pith- fucking pathetic. Um, the active ingredient in it is... Tianeptine, and it's an antidepressant that is approved in several European countries. Uh, it, it's an antidepressant and an 
anxiolytic, and that means it's an anti-anxiety medication. Um, a 2010 study suggests that TNFTD has several advantages over SSRIs, namely a lower likelihood of side effects like sexual problems, nausea, grogginess. Um, French studies, because that's where it's mostly legal and prescribed, uh, French studies claim that it's less addictive than opioids. Um, eh, on Reddit boards, it's referred to as TIA. Um, Structurally, tianeptine resembles tricyclic antidepressants, which were some of the earliest depression treatments. Um, hey, reminder, I am not a psychopharmacologist, so I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Um, it, the reason it's abusable is because it has um, a, quote, strong affinity at the mu opioid receptors, um, these are the same receptors that are the targets of opioids like morphine and oxycodone. So this antidepressant that is sold at gas stations in the U.S., it, it affects the same neuroreceptors as morphine and oxy. So like, that sounds convenient, right? You can buy that at a gas station. Um, and a lot of people buy it to substitute for opioids because it doesn't show up on drug tests. And so people who are opioid abusers or um, chronic pain patients who need to pass drug tests, they'll turn to Zaza uh, to manage their pain or withdrawal symptoms while still be able to pass a drug test. That's that's nice, right? Um, but it's not a good pain reliever. It wears off quick, quickly, which is how those who abuse it end up taking more and more pills. And I read an article about a guy who spent $1,800 a month on Zaza, like, and he would have to drive across state borders because they made it illegal in his state. And he was taking like three or four bottles a day at $23 a bottle. And it was this whole thing. It's a lot. Um withdrawal kicks in one to two hours after the last dose so that's a pretty it's a pretty shitty fucking drug to be honest with you if um you take a pill and within one to two hours later you're already in withdrawals like that's not only ineffective but expensive and now you gotta you're on a fucking fast-paced roller coaster of high and withdrawal and high and withdrawal it sounds real fucking shitty that's why um you know, zaddies are dangerous because Zadix has, like, the shortest half-life of any of the benzodiazepines. Um, and so you end up taking more and more because it wears off so fucking quickly because it, like, kicks in fast and it wears off fast versus lorazepam has a longer half-life and clonopin has a longer half-life than that. Um, so, and so, and the longer half-life ends up making things less addictive because you aren't on that same roller coaster, right? I'm still pretty anti-benzo if you could avoid it. Like, obviously, listen, sometimes a house is on fire and you need to just put out the fire, but, um, you don't need to be spraying a house with water in case it catches on fire. You know what I mean? Let's not abuse drugs. Okay. Um, so withdrawal symptoms commonly include agitation, anxiety, <laughs> here we go, myoclonic jerking, hey oh, that's what your dad does, um, no, myoclonic jerking is quick involuntary muscle twitches, 
um, and then also gastrointestinal distress. Um, and so it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. If you get hooked on this shit, then you hit withdrawals pretty quickly and you're like, oh my God, I'm jerking around. I'm, I'm shitting myself. Let me just take some more. You know what I mean? And it does have an effect on the gastrointestinal tract like most antidepressants do. Um, in fact, like a lot of studies have shown that what is this drug called? Tia, Tianeptine has some positive, uh, it's good at treating IBS with less side effects than the current medication on the market. So like we might see it legalized not only as an antidepressant in the United States, but also as an IBS treatment in the United States. Um, so, um, but yeah, if you go through withdrawal, then you're going to have some gastrointestinal distress. Uh, a 1995 study found that even high doses, up to 337 milligrams aren't fatal. So like it's very safe. And by by the way, at 12.5 milligrams is a standard dose. So 337 milligrams is, uh, I, I'm not going to do bath right here now because I don't have my calculator near me. But it's pretty, it's pretty high dose uh, compared to the standard dose. You, you can't kill yourself. Like people have tried to kill themselves with this. Uh, antidepressants aren't really great for killing yourself. They're great for killing your sex drive, hey-o, um, but uh, they're not great. Uh, they, they aren't fatal. They aren't very good at fatalizing you. Uh, when I was, um, I was an assistant to the school nurse uh, an hour a day when I was in high school, because I'm a kiss-ass, and uh, we had a girl come in who had taken her, and she'd opened up all the capsules of her antidepressant, and um, put them in a water bottle and drank them, which is gross because I don't. If you've ever tasted a pill, like you try to swallow it and it's stuck in your mouth because you don't have enough spit or whatever, and like you taste it, like oh, pills taste so gross. Most of them, some of them taste real good. And if you didn't want me to chew clodabin, you wouldn't have made it taste good. But anyways, um, I'm kidding, guys. I, I don't do that. Um, but pills taste like shit. So like she uh, had opened the capsules of all of her antidepressants and dumped them in a water bottle and chugged them in an attempt to kill herself. And then she came to the nurse's office and we had to get an ambulance and I had to go get her stuff out of her classroom or whatever. It was a whole fucking scene. But anyway, she did die. And I saw her years later. And, I mean, she was functioning. I wasn't going to be like, hey, how you doing? Remember when you tried to kill yourself? Um, glad that didn't work out. Good to see you around. Uh, but, but anyways... Um, but like people are abusing this drug, um, to the point that in 2019, Michigan passed a bill banning Tianeptine. Um, the bill described how many users were buying nootropics or buying it on nootropics websites. Um, hold on, I'll pull up the definition of nootropics because I think I know what it is because I take like mushroom supplements from audit. <laughs> nootropics. Uh, what's the definition of a nootropic? Uh, nootropics or smart drugs are a class of substances that can boost brain performance. They are sometimes called cognition enhancers or memory enhancing substances. Prescription nootropics are medications that have stimulant effects. Oh, okay, that's not what I thought it was at all. Um, because I thought nootropics were, like, natural. Like, I thought it was, like, you know, your reishi. 
<laughs> your lion's mane. Um, but I guess apparently if you take pharmaceutical speed, that's also a nootropic because it enhances cognition. I don't fucking know. Okay, so anyways, people are buying... The Michigan bill said that users were buying Zaza on nootropics websites, and when you buy a drug like this online, you never know exactly what you're getting, which is true. Hey, friendly reminder, supplements are not tested by the FDA. Um, so, like, you don't know what you're fucking getting. They're not, there's no regulation for purity or whatever. Like, when you buy a, a vitamin C supplement and it says a 1,000... Uh, units per capsule or whatever like it doesn't necessarily have to have that in it um just a funny aside um so what is which was the mobster that went into hiding out here it was a gaudy um anyways he was in the witness protection program in arizona and then he was busted because while in the witness protection program, he started uh, an ecstasy manufacturing lab. And then, um, whatever, he had, he went back to jail because he, he couldn't just like fucking take take his like his blessings. You know, you rolled up on some mobsters, you got in witness protection, you get a fresh start on life. No, he had to keep doing criminal shit. So uh, they busted. And he had this pretty uh, fancy ecstasy lab that he had been operating. Well, a friend of a friend bought it. And because it was all the equipment used to make pills, ecstasy pills, he started a, farm, uh, a, subs, uh, a supplement company. He started selling vitamins because he, and it, he was like, yeah, it's an easy business to go into. Like you just, you know, it's not regulated. <laughs> So, like, that's, like, the scary thing is, like, you're like, oh, yeah, I go to GNC, I buy my supplements, but, like, it's not really regulated, and there's lots of, like, you have companies, like, audit that um, do medical-grade testing on their products, but, like, that's not common, um, so that's that, uh, <laughs> So, like, people are buying Zaza or, like, uh, Tianeptine online. And, like, there's no saying, like, what they're getting is, like, the amount of Tianeptine that it says the product contains or whatever. There's no – no one's testing it. No one's regulating that. So you're getting unregulated pharmaceuticals, basically. And Michigan was like, no, we're not going to do this. We're going to ban it. Um, and um, so <sighs> – so, like, I guess state by state they're outlawing it because it is dangerous and they'll see these, like, pop-ups of, like, hospitalizations and not for overdoses usually but for the withdrawals of it. And it's to the point where, like, now they're starting to have clinical understanding of it and they're starting to have protocol for treating withdrawals, which seems to involve, you know, sedatives. Uh, gabapentin kept coming up in my research. Um but also because it is so new and that people are abusing it at these really high levels compared to the pharmaceutical dose, like researchers are turning to Reddit boards to help understand the epidemic, to help understand why people use, what withdrawal is like, that sort of thing. And like, so there are medical research papers coming out that are quoting, um, data like using data from reddit to understand this drug and what the researchers have said is that for the most part the users are not using it to get a high uh, they're chasing quote okayness which is like so 
I don't know. It hurts my heart because I just you just think about the way things are in our society, which is like we just aren't engineered to operate in the way that society works. And then if um if you don't if you feel like I just, you know, kind of made fun of my ex for his malaise. Um, but like, yeah, if you feel like malaise or ennui or you feel a disconnect or you feel anxiety or overwhelmed, which are perfectly fine reactions to living in like this sort of like workaholic digital dystopia that we exist in, <laughs> like, I don't know. I just like get up. Uh, I have a donut and some coffee. I go sit in a cubicle for nine hours. I'm super stressed. Um, I uh, have a, a burrito for lunch. I get some drive through on the way home. Um, I'm stuck in traffic. I'm worried about being able to afford to pay my phone bill. I'm worried about um, being able to afford my insulin. And yet I'm not happy. There's something wrong with me. And you're like, well, no, there's nothing wrong with you. Like that that's not that's not a life. No, we're not we're not really living. We're just like we're all indentured servants. Like we're trying to pay back our student loans, we're trying to pay our health insurance, we're trying to keep roofs over our heads in like the <laughs> the highest cost of housing to income in United States history. You know what I mean? We have the largest wealth disparity in human history, I read. The United States currently, the largest wealth disparity in human history. That's right. The haves have way more than they've ever had, and the have-nots have way less than they've ever had. So, like, the fact that we're existing in this world, you shouldn't feel okay. But when you don't feel okay, you're like, well, I need to keep functioning in this world to survive. So I need to take a pill that makes me think that it's okay. So I can keep functioning in this world that is engineered against me. It's really sad. Um, I'm trying not to uh, spend time engaging with society. In my first couple of years of sobriety, I did have social media and it really helped me um, because I just needed the world to be more quiet because I could barely deal with my own strife, let alone the strife of others. And I know that sounds so awful, but it's like we are limited in what we are able to do to help the people of Ukraine. We're limited in what we're able to do to help the children in Africa. So, like, reading about it on a daily basis only serves to our detriment in the same way that, like, if you've ever had an addict in your life and if you've ever gone through, like, an Al-Anon program or counseling for codependency and you realize none of my interactions with this person are making them better. They're just making me worse. So I have to disengage from this person because I can't help them and it's just destroying me. And so um, that is kind of my approach to world affairs. And I don't know if that makes me an ignorant or a bad person, but also like it involves self-preservation and at a certain point, you do need to put yourself first. Um, for 30 years of my life, I didn't eat edibles. 
Um, for 20 of those years, I was a very strict vegan. And I got to a point with my health where it wasn't working. And um, it, despite the fact that like, I don't want to eat edibles, I don't want to eat edible products, I don't find them appetizing. I needed that nutrition to survive. As someone who has surgeries and is healing from surgeries and stuff, I needed those edible proteins. And also I benefited from switching to a ketogenic diet which you cannot do as a vegan. Like it's a, impossible to get a proper amino acid profile uh, as a vegan if you do keto. So I had to go, you know what? I don't, I hate the idea of eating animals. I hate the idea of killing animals, but also I can't keep putting them in front of me because <laughs> I'm literally dying. So you know what I mean? You have to make some decisions. And like now I take fish oil pills and I eat bulletproof supplement products and with bovine collagens and whatever's in them. Um, because like I had to, because I had to save my own life. And so, you know, if, if turning off the news is what you need to do to save your sanity, then you got to do it. Because, listen, I don't know you, but I know you got enough problems of your own. <laughs> I know you got enough problems of your own. This, the fucking doom scrolling. I've, I, so many people are, like, addicted to it. And it's just every time you talk to them, oh, my God, did you read this? Did you see this? Did you see this? And you're like, okay, but like, I really, I don't know what to say about how like this mother in this state, 12 states away from me, like hit her kids. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with it about it. You know what I mean? If it were in front of me, I would be compelled to, to act upon it. Um, but it, it ain't, <laughs> um, so what was I saying? So anyways, um, so yeah, people are chasing okayness and, uh, that's, that sucks. That sucks. Cause we live in a world where things aren't inherently okay. And we want to feel okay in a society that is not okay. Um, and here's from, from one of the research papers about this quote, these posts reinforce what has been suspected in our own clinical practice. Users largely appear to be attempting to increase their mood, energy, and level of daily function, unquote. So people are abusing this drug, this antidepressant. They're taking massive doses way beyond the clinical dose. And it's just so they can function, so they can be able to do well at their job and then come home and be able to be an engaged parent and keep a clean house and do everything because, like, you know, we don't have a stay-at-home parent anymore. You know, both parents are in the workforce, so both parents have to work all day and then parent and then it, – it, it's unreasonable, to be honest. And so people abuse drugs like – uh, well, caffeine, which I, I abuse, um, people abuse caffeine, people take Adderall, like, dude, people are like, man, my house is a mess. My friend hooked me up with some Addy so I can clean it. Like that, that doesn't seem right. Like what? Like just cleaning your house, you have to take some Adderall. Like what's, what's happening? Um, that you, you need to take performance-enhancing drugs to complete tasks of daily living. Is it that we are stretched too thin? Or is it that the emotional exhaustion caused from constantly engaging with a 24-hour news cycle has made it so that we need performance-enhancing drugs to engage in our own lives? Is that it? Could it be? 
Is it possible? Um, anyways, uh, the good news about getting people off of tiodeptine is that they found most patients who are abusing it and enter withdrawal are not on other substances. So they're able to get through withdrawal in two to three days um, because they're not craving other substances. It's not like a multifaceted detox. Um, it's which is. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. That's pretty exciting. Uh, and uh, I think did Georgia already outlaw it? Like Georgia outlawed Zaza, but now it's being sold under the name Friends Red, which is the same fucking thing. Which is like how these things work, you know. And then we talk we talk a lot on our designer drugs episodes about you know the analogs. Um, so they change one molecule and it kind of creates the same high, but it's chemically different so that it's not the same as the outlawed substance and they can continue selling it over the counter. But like, I'm just going to go out on a lib and say that, um, oops, sorry guys, you heard my Bluetooth speaker turning off. I'm so, I'm such a bad host. Um, but just don't take pills from a gas station. Don't, don't do it. It's probably not a good idea. Um, but also in the way that antidepressants are really hard to get off of, and they don't tell you that when you get prescribed them. Some are easier than others, like Wellbutrin doesn't have withdrawals, but, uh, you know, your Prozacs, your Lexapros, um, Celexa, is that the one? I don't know. I have a friend on one that, like, the withdrawals are, like, heroin withdrawals. Um, like so this is an antidepressant even though it acts on the opioid agonist so like the withdrawals people say they're like it's it's kind of like twofold it feels like you're withdrawing withdrawal you know what i mean guys it feels like you're withdrawing (laughs) i'm just gonna keep saying the word again and it continues to make more like less sense the more i say it um, but it, it feels like you're coming off of opiate, opiates and also off of antidepressants. So like on these Reddit boards that I lightly surfed, people are, are saying, yeah, the, the, the detox feels twofold. Cause it's like these two things are happening. And if, and if, you, if you've ever like gone on vacation and been like, fuck, I forgot my Prozac. Like, you know how awful that is. The brain zaps and the nausea and the cold sweats and uh it's all which is why you're supposed to titrate down off those medications under the supervision of a doctor because when you quit cold turkey it's pretty rough um and so uh and i feel like doctors don't tell you that like because they they're like oh you're depressed here's a prescription and they're not like oh you're depressed here's a prescription just so you know if if you choose to take this medication and it does not work for you, when you discontinue it, you need to come back to my office and we will set up a titration plan to get you off of it. They don't say that, which I think goes against medical ethics, which is informed consent. Am I right? Or am I right? <laughs> As a person who has been mistreated medically and had like, doctors attempt to force ineffective and damaging treatments on, I cannot stress the importance of medical consent enough. And you need to allow your patients to make their own decisions. But doctors tend to have a paternalistic um, 
attitude where they think, I know better than you. And I, if I tell you that it's going to be difficult to get off of these meds, it might scare you and you won't want to go on them despite the fact that they will benefit you. But you need to allow people to make their own decisions. Informed consent. Um, in the same way, it's like, listen, you can't keep burying evidence of vaccine side effects and I'm not talking about conspiracy ones. I'm talking about legitimate side effects. You can't bury evidence of them because if you are public about it, people won't get the vaccine, right? Because guess what happens? Guess what happened with the COVID-19 vaccine? The rumors of side effects and the suppression of them made even more people scared to get it rather than if you had been straightforward and honest about the data to begin with and let people make their own decisions. Um, so I don't know. Um, I guess that's it. You guys have a happy hump day. <laughs>